This is Channel 253. Move to Tacoma. On this episode of Move to Tacoma. Critically, what I'm spending most of my time thinking about is uh, how do we get these supplies to our clients? The other is that given what's going on, the nature is going on, we're not asking people to come and volunteer with us and, right. and be with us because that would be, that could add, you know, more a dangerous impact for us. So we need the support of those material things like that and money. And then just for folks to be aware of uh, how what you do has an impact on the most vulnerable people in our communities. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. We're back. I'm Marguerite, and I want you to move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. You'll like it. Move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma.com. I'm Marguerite. And this is move to Tacoma.com. It is Friday, March 13th, and we are doing a special episode virtually over the Zooms, um, one of our very first. So thank you for your patience with our audio. I know Doug is wincing right now as he hears me using my iPhone headset. <laughs> I am here with da, uh, David Strong from A Hat Home Care. Hi, David. Hello. And with Melissa Mallett from Citizens for a Healthy Bay. Thanks for coming in to be here on the fly, Melissa. Hey, happy to be here. So the topic that we want to talk about for this episode is small nonprofits in Tacoma and what unique challenges uh, you're facing as we, you know, experience a pandemic in Tacoma and what citizens and people who use services, people who support local community um, nonprofits, like what we can all be doing to sort of help each other directly and be better neighbors and be better donors and be better volunteers in these times. So if it's okay, maybe I can ask each of you to sort of introduce yourself and um, when you came to Tacoma and what your organization does. Is that okay? Yeah. Sure. All right, David, would you like to go first? Sure. I'm David Strong, a director of AHAD Home Care. And I started working to Tacoma in 2006. Uh, at that time, we were called AIDS Housing Association. Uh, and I was commuting every day from Seattle. And even then, it was two and a half hours. So I decided to move to Tacoma with lots <laughs> of fear, not because I thought there was crime and things like that. I'm just like, I don't know anybody in Tacoma. It's going to be hard to get to know folks. But I've been here since 2010, mostly living in the downtown stadium area. And I have no regrets about moving to Tacoma. I love that. And what does your organization do? So we provide housing for people living with HIV AIDS in the community in three group homes. And we also recently started a rental assistance program to help people live out in the community in their independent apartments. Wonderful. And how many people are there in your organization? Like how large is it? Just so people can understand. So we have uh, about eight employees. Uh, we currently now serve about 17 clients. Uh, so we're a small, mid-sized budget nonprofit here in the community. Thanks, David. Melissa? Hey there. So um, I moved here in 2015 from Wisconsin. I am the executive director of Citizens for a Healthy Bay. We're a 30-year-old environmental organization that was founded to engage people in the cleanup, 
restoration and protection of Commencement Bay and surrounding waters. Um, I've been, so I moved here in 2015 to become the executive director and I have lived in the North End near Proctor and am currently living in Central. And I too have no regrets about moving to Tacoma. Um, I love the Pacific Northwest. I love the city of Tacoma and the people in it. It's, it's a really amazing community. So I'd love to hear from each of you. We're, you know, a couple of weeks into really understanding the severity of this, I think, as a community. Um, everything is changing day to day. What is your immediate concern, like right now as a small nonprofit in Tacoma? Melissa, do you want to go first? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to, to answer that. Um, my immediate concern about this pandemic is about how quickly it's spreading. And um, I'm really concerned about overwhelming the resources of hospitals so that people who really need help aren't able to get it. I, my grandfather lives in Eastern Washington and I uh, try to visit him once a month, but I haven't been able to visit him um, because his nursing home is now locked down, which mm -hmm. I think is good to protect the, the people in it. But um, it's, it's really concerning. Um, and so I think, you know, the thing that I'm concerned about is doing our part to keep the, um, to, to make sure that I'm not a vector or in my organization is not a part of expanding the pandemic. And so what does that um, look like for your organization? Like what policies have you had to put in place for your employees? How many, how many employees do you have? We have five employees. Okay. Um, the biggest thing that we've done so far is our uh, annual fundraiser was coming up at the end of this month. And so we've postponed it um, in hopes that the pandemic will be contained or, you know, under control or declining at that point. Um, I don't think that's a guarantee. So, so that's one, it's not a policy we've put in place, but it's a, um, a decision that we've made about it. And then our, like right now we're getting everyone lined up with remote access and making sure that um, we can move employees to working at home. Um, some of our work, we have to be in the office, um, but I think that we're going to be able to <clears throat> alternate who's in the office so that people aren't, aren't around each other to potentially pass it on. So when you say you are postponing your main fundraiser, just yeah. so people, a lot of folks have never worked in a nonprofit. Maybe they give, they don't really, they go to some events. They don't, I mean, most of us are not thinking about this in an intentional way. What is the impact on your organization? What portion of your annual organizational funding is coming from that event? Yeah, about half of our funding comes from individuals donating. And most of that, most of that biggest source of funding and the biggest single source of funding for us is this auction gala it's an auction and dinner um this is your this year is our 30th anniversary so it's um it's going to be a really big one and so it's it's a big we had a big goal for it we have a big goal for it and um it's it's really critical to our funding um nonprofits get resources from um grants and donations from individuals they get uh, revenue from contracts maybe but the resources from individuals are so important because it's um, you can use it. There's so much flexibility with it. And so it's mm -hmm. really important for the nonprofits that um, especially like CHB that 
need to be supported by the community and need to be independent to be able to take action, it's um, th that ind individual contribution is really important to our work. So, so for a person, I mean, you're, you're probably not the only event. I, I had a, a message for a small fundraising event I was supposed to go to, and they just sent me a message. It's three weeks out, and they were like, we are canceling that. Here's your ticket back. And I yeah. responded and said, okay, please keep the money for my ticket. But also, I'm sure there was going to be an ask at that event. So yeah. like as a donor, as a person who goes to events, like how, how would you like us to approach this? Like if we have the capacity, is the yeah. appropriate thing to respond to these postponement messages with, you know, where can I donate? Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, so I just want to address that this is, this is happening to a lot of nonprofits in our community because this is a really important time of year for these big events. So yeah, I think just this next week, the Girl Scouts um, luncheon was canceled. I know that Tacoma Arts Live uh, had to postpone their event. There are so many, I mean, dozens and dozens of Tacoma nonprofits that are having to delay their fundraisers. And especially if you're in a part of the time of year where there's not a lot of revenue from other sources, it can be really scary. So, um, so, so I think people should think about the groups that they care about and know that even if you're not getting an ask right now, it doesn't mean that the, that the money isn't needed. And so it's really important to reach out to the groups that you support and care about or um, groups that are really making um, public calls because they are in dire circumstances, it's important to reach out to them and make donations. Um, our organization, Citizens for Healthy Bay, our website is healthybay.org. Um, and I encourage people, if they, if they support us in the work that we're doing, to reach out to us and um, also reach out to, to groups across the community that they care about. Thanks, Melissa. David, I know you all actually just had your 30th anniversary event. It wasn't such a huge fundraiser, but like it was a, an event where you had your donors. Like, can you talk a little bit about how that went, what was different, and sort of your situation? What, what is your organization focusing on right now? So uh, it was a very nerve-wracking that last week because that's when the governor first began to mention about uh, reducing crowds. And we were really, very worried about people showing up. Uh, and we only had two cancellations. Uh, we made it simple, fun, uh, but we had folks who did cancel and we did ask them to go to our link, which is ahomecare.org, to make a donation. Uh, so I'm glad the community came out to support us. There were, there were a lot more elbowing, a lot less hugging uh, this time <laughs> around. Uh, our concern, obviously, is so we, have, we serve a population that already has vulnerable health conditions. And so this is uh, a very stressful time for us. And then we have staff who work with them and getting staff into the office. Uh, we are, as I'll continue to share, our biggest concern right now is keeping our clients well and our staff as well. Uh, and community-wise, we're impacted by the fact that folks are hoarding things like hand sanitizer and toilet paper, which we don't understand the toilet paper one, the hand sanitizer is really big. Can you uh, talk about that? Because I, I don't, I know that we're all kind of having conversations as community members with each other about, you know, people taking more than they need, but what is the impact on a health services organization on not being able to access what you need to keep things clean and safe for your vulnerable clients? So, for particularly smaller nonprofits, unlike 
perhaps hospitals who have access to all these things we don't. And so we literally have to go to the store and, and find those things. So that's problematic. And it means we have to find other creative ways of cleaning from soap to Lysol, all these things. But we get worried that in a week or two, that may also short supply. And so it's a it's an impact of that I can now go online and try to purchase those things from Amazon and other places, but is that an exorbitant price for those things? Uh, and so it, it creates a little anxiety for us as an organization about how we continue uh, to do that. And we have to provide our services and we have to keep our places clean for our residents. Hope and Annie, co-hosts of Channel 253 podcast, Interchangeable White Ladies. This episode is sponsored by Pacific Lutheran University. Your student can go to college just about anywhere in the world, but have you thought about the school just down the street? When it comes to their undergraduate programs, PLU is a triple threat. First, PLU has a great liberal arts program that will expand young minds and help them thrive no matter where they go after leaving our campus. Second, PLU is part of the Tacoma and South Sound community, passing on the values of civic engagement to the next generation. And finally, PLU has programs that will prepare students for some of the most important and high-demand careers post-graduation. Liberal arts, civic engagement, and professional studies, a triple threat that will help your student thrive. To learn more, visit plu.edu admission. So this is a good transition to talk about, um, you know, I know you both have very specific organizations that do very specific, very different work in the community. But I think what we're trying to help people understand, because people listening might not be donors of your organizations, but of other small nonprofits, what are some very traditional ways that people can offer their support? And what are some less traditional ways that people might be able to offer their support beyond, you know, writing a check, although everybody that can write a check, obviously, it's appreciated right now. (laughs) Everybody that can give you some grace. Uh, like, but also like, are there specific material items that our local organizations might be needing from us? And what is a way for us to find that out? Hmm. Hmm. Um, I, I guess I'll just go right away and say, um, for CHB, you know, the programs that are being interrupted for us, we're actually trying to figure out how to respond to, and they're not, they're not urgent health things like, um, like David's group provides. It's, um, you know, it's educational programming for the public and for uh, kids, but we're, so we're trying to figure out how to take some of that online um, if this is really long-term and into the summer. But um, I mean, I feel like I've seen some requests for that stuff online um, on social media posts from different organizations. Um, that's, I, you know, I don't have a ton of more to say about that. Yeah. So basically for your organization, it's, it's pretty cut and dry. Like, please continue to support, please continue to donate and you know you'll be communicating with your your donors in in regard to that yeah and i and i hope like just because maybe thinking about resources all the time um i hope people don't hoard stuff i think that that's really dangerous for our community and you know you hear about people hoarding toilet paper or hand sanitizer and it just means that there's more vulnerable people out there who need it who don't have it and it sounds like david wanted to say more about that Yes, absolutely. Uh, the hoarding is uh, certainly not a community concern for the common good uh, when it happens in our in our communities. And, you know, so we, like any nonprofit, money is always an issue. And what happens when we have national kinds of things happening, then people tend to forget about writing checks 
to our local places uh, who are in need, all of our organizations. Uh, and then the other side of that is, critically, what I'm spending most of my time thinking about is uh, how do we get these supplies to our clients? The other is that given what's going on, the nature is going on, we're not asking people to come and volunteer with us and, right. and be with us because that would be, that could add, you know, more a dangerous impact for us. So we need the support of those material things like that and money. And then just for folks to be aware of uh, how what you do has an impact on the most vulnerable people in our communities. So could you say more about that, David? Like, I'm, I, I'm not sure a lot of us are necessarily oriented. I, I know I'm certainly not. Like, I'm a 40-year-old lady. I'm pretty healthy. I don't have elders, a lot of, a lot of elders close to me in my life. So, like, I, I've had to really reorient my thinking. Do you have any, um, and, 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 you know, like, I'm thinking, like, not even really any sick people that I know of, although you don't always know that. So like, what are some special things that like you guys are, are more routinely doing in, in your place of work um, that people can keep in mind as they're, you know, so does having, this make sense? Yeah, we're having to wash down the walls, not just the counters, the walls every day uh, with our clients, with some who are mobile. We have to make sure they have access uh, to washing their hands when they come back from outside. Uh, one of the bigger issues is that... Uh, it's the healthy people that are more problematic. Even myself, who lives with diabetes, high blood pressure, in this type of environment, of your not knowing what's going on, and so that's why we have the social distance thing. I think, and so that means, in some ways, we've isolated our clients uh, who already have social isolation to protect them. Uh, I think. Uh, just being more conscious, aware of people around you uh, would be very significant in our community. Uh, and I, I'm a big social person, and I'm finding myself uh, staying away from people more. Uh, and that can be a challenge. So we have to think about other ways. How can we connect with folks, whether it's Zoom or on the phone and things like that, so that we don't isolate ourselves completely from folks. Social distance should not mean complete isolation, but it does mean been very conscious of your space. So one thing I imagine there are folks listening, maybe they don't, you know, maybe they're not donors for your organizations, but they're thinking about the places that they're involved with, where they volunteer, where they give money, where they give time. And um, is it appropriate right now? Like, are you guys flooded with contacts? Like, is it appropriate to reach out to your favorite organizations and just say, what do you need? You know, is this the time to organize something with your friendship circle as far as like either getting like David, like you're saying, like we need hand, hand sanitizer and bleach wipes basically, right? Like you, right. you need basic cleaning supplies. Like, is it, is it, should we be reaching out to local nonprofits? Is that bothersome or is that needed right now? I, uh, oh, well, yeah, David, what do you think? <laughs> it can be bothersome if we get overwhelmed with trying to respond to that. Uh, and to people, uh, you know, just flooding us with stuff. So right. trying to coordinate that process is very, very helpful from the community. And so contact me directly if you know me, as opposed to my staff who are mm. here every day trying to keep people uh, safe and alive. And so, so just really being very organized 
about uh, how you want to help. Well, and I think it goes without saying that if you do reach out to an organization and you want to offer help or offer money or offer anything at all or ask a question, we should all have a ton of patience. Like it might yeah. take a while to get that response. If you have a request of a local nonprofit whose workers might be out sick or triaging things we can't even imagine that they are dealing with, like to just be patient. Maybe you're not going to get that thank you letter on time. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, Melissa, absolutely. What, what comes to mind when you consider this? Um, it's the same thing where, you know, if um, I found with a couple of the days in the last couple of weeks, I've been so slammed with stuff that, um, and my staff have, and so we haven't been readily available to respond to things. But um, I think on the days when it hasn't been a total mess, um, it, you know, we, we have been able to respond. So I would just say being patient, understanding that everything around us is changing minute to minute. I mean, from, um, and I think a lot of our funders have been really supportive about this. Like our grantors have been like saying, we know that a lot of things are changing right now. And so if you had deliverables for having so many public events or outreach events, we realize that's going to change. Yeah. Um, so that's great, but it just, it takes time to think through, okay, how are we going to adjust these plans? What are we going to do? A lot of us are making changes on the fly. Um, thinking about how we, how we, um, how we protect the community and make sure people are safe and um, what our role is in all of this. So um, and I guess I would say, like, especially thinking about David's, especially thinking about how um, the prices for some of the hand sanitizer and wipes has gone up and people are using this as a chance to gouge people. Mm. I am so sorry to hear that. And um, I encourage all of us to, to be like, listen for that type of thing where people are taking, being taken advantage of or organizations are being taken advantage of. Um, at their most vulnerable moments, especially if they protect people's health and um, try to support them because that is not okay. David, do you have anything you'd like to say in closing as far as anything, any message you'd like to give the community as they think of how they can support their local nonprofits and things to be mindful of as we go into kind of an unprecedented pandemic here in Tacoma? I think we, we, uh, we have to be vigilant about what is happening. Like I need to go figure out what was just said about what does a national emergency mean for us? I, I don't have an answer to that. So we feel like we have to be on the go all the time. Uh, and so for the community, we're asking people to be aware of that and not just about the resources, but the, the health part, you know, can't say enough that my great grandmother said we wash your hands all the time. <laughs> that will be very, very key. Uh, be aware that you're part of a community and, and that your health and our health are linked and your lives and our lives are linked. And so we have to look out for each other. Thanks, David. Absolutely. Melissa, is there anything you'd like to say in closing? Um, I think, you know, I don't know how to say this in a way that's not going to sound very <laughs> Debbie Downer. Um, I, Safe I, space. It's okay, <laughs> Melissa. <laughs> It's a safe space. It's only public. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, we, when we look at what's coming with climate change, um, 
this type of thing is expected because mm -hmm. as ice melts and bugs from, you know, it sounds like this bug is a new one um, that has evolved, but we're going to be facing bugs that have not been, um, that humanity hasn't had to deal with in, you know, a lot, many, many, many thousands of years. And so we, uh, health pandemics are something that's like in the list of things that we should be prepared for as the climate continues to change. And so um, I think stuff like this is going to happen again. And so the way I've been thinking about it is um, not this is just an emergency to get past, but right. this is a new normal in some ways. And we should be adapting our systems and adapting our social safety net to take care of people. I mean, what's happening to part-time workers Absolutely. and um, all kinds of staff is uh, just it's unraveling to our community and it's really, it's so important that we change our policies to protect all of our community. This Thanks just for, highlights how at risk we are. If we Absolutely. don't have a healthy earth, we won't have healthy lives. Yeah. Can you say that again, David? If we don't have a healthy earth and environment, we can't have healthy lives. Well, Thank you both for coming on. I know you probably have a million other things that you need to be doing right now, but I think a lot of folks have, have had a lot of questions about this and I appreciate you taking the time to kind of break it down and help us understand, like you guys are just trying to stay afloat right now. Right. Well, thank you for it. having us. Want to learn more about life in Tacoma? Visit movetotacoma.com. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. Move to Tacoma is part of the Channel 253 network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, We Are Tacoma, Flounders B Team, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.